It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, and we now know exactly What is going to happen with the Aggies in 2020? As the SEC released yesterday, their 10-game schedule. We're going to be breaking down all of A&M's games, where it looks like they have the best chance to win, maybe a trap game and an X-factor moment for A&M. 10 games this upcoming year, all against SEC opponents, and it's going to be something magical to say the least. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, where a candy bar meets a protein bar. Go to BuiltBar.com right now and type in the code LOCKEDON in the promo section to save $10 off your very first purchase at BuiltBar.com. As always, if you like the show, give us a follow on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this show better, I'm going to take into consideration. We're on three to five times a week, and we need to have your support. So whatever you think needs to change, we are more than happy to join in on the conversation there. And secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things Texas A&M related content. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. And if you can't do any of that, listen live on LockedOnPodcast.com. So Texas A&M comes out with a brand new 10-game schedule. And yesterday, I gave my predictions of how I thought it was going to go. And I was completely wrong, uh, in a sense. Uh, I did also say that there was a best-case and a worst-case scenario. And when I look at the new schedule that recently came out, the best case scenario is featured heavily for AM in multiple points. Now, there are some areas where I do think there are going to be some moments where maybe it's not that great, but I do like that they did separate the games in a fair enough pattern, I think, for AM to really have a good shot of representing who they are in the SEC. So, as I said yesterday, I thought that there was going to be a best case and a worst case scenario. And the best case was, you have games somewhere in the middle. You have your really good games, and then two crappy games that are easy for you to win, and then a good opponent. There's four opponents A&M will face that are in the top 15 with Auburn, LSU, Alabama, and Florida. So, naturally, you want to have that kind of separated. I said the worst case scenario would be you face all four back to back to back to back. That's not really the case, but at the same time, is it the case? So let's just break down the schedule. Week one, September 26th, AM will be hosting Vanderbilt. Then a week later, they'll be traveling down to the Yellowhammer State to Bryant Denny Stadium to take on Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide in Tuscaloosa. Weekend after that, October 10th, that is my birthday. I love that I get to see this game. Florida will come to College Station in week three. And then in week four, you got at Mississippi State in Starkville against Mike Leach, this air raid offense, this proponent of offensive success that we've seen, what he's done at at, uh, Washington State with Anthony Gordon and Gardner Minshew. Can he do it again with KJ Costello? This is only going to explode the Mississippi State offense if true. Then there's an off week. Keep in mind, every team has two technical off weeks to make up games. So for AM, 
Their bye is October 24th, and then December 12th, there's also a makeup game. So if any of these games have to be canceled or, re- or postponed, they will be played that December 12th weekend. When they come back on Halloween, which again, A&M is not known for playing on Halloween, but I guess this year they are, they will be facing off against Arkansas at College Station. That's a big plus. One of the things I've said for a while about A&M is I hate to see them play when they're playing in Arlington. I feel like that's always a trap game, and whether Arkansas is ranked super high up, whether Arkansas is the worst team in the FBS, which they've really been showing on the FPI levels for the last two years, it's still a rough game for AM. They don't get that solidified win, and they really have never. So coming and playing now in Kyle Field might actually be a boost up. November 7th, they'll face off against South Carolina on the road in Columbia. I think that's a really good game. Uh, that's kind of in the same schedule of where South Carolina was, if I'm not mistaken. November 14th, they will travel to Knoxville, Tennessee to face off against their other SEC East opponent that they got in the 10-game schedule with the Tennessee Volunteers. Then November 21st, they'll be taking on Ole Miss at home. Then November 28th, they'll take on LSU, which was still scheduled. And then December 5th, the very last game of the year, they will travel to the Plains of Auburn to take on Gus Malzahn and the Tigers. So again, you look at the schedule, you have an easy game, two tough games, back-to-back. We, we cannot deny that. Alabama and Florida, two top 10 opponents. This is going to be a really fun matchup in week two, because this is probably going to be, if not the most watched game, the second most watched game. Alabama's a great team. Everyone knows that. But you know who else is a great team? Georgia. You know who are two unknown teams that could go into this year and actually make some noise in the SEC? A&M and Auburn. Guess what? Week two, we get both those matchups. That is going to be a really fun weekend of October 3rd. A&M has a chance to come in early and make an impact against the Crimson Tide on their own turf, something that they have not done since their inaugural season in 2012 when Johnny Manziel marched his way down to Bryant-Denny Stadium and picked up the 29-24 victory. So again, this is something that's brand new. This could be a moment for A&M, who's returning a plethora of talent on both sides of the ball. A team that is set to not have to really replace that much production. Not only that, they don't have to just replace the production, they don't have to worry about a shortened season or a shortened schedule like other teams when it comes to processing new talent. A majority of their starters are there. Alabama could be looking weak. They got a game against Missouri, and then they face off against a top 15 opponent. Alabama's playing Mac Jones at quarterback. It's not Tua Tagovailoa. And yeah, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, they're good options as number twos and threes. We don't know if one of them can be a number one weapon just yet. I think they can. Maybe that's my Alabama alumni status coming out, but I think that they can. I don't think that either one of them can be superstars like Jerry Judy can. I don't think either of them have the upside like uh, DeMond Demas has. I don't think any of that. But I do think that they can be productive receivers. may take some time. They may not be in their stride until week four, week five. So a game against Alabama early in the season with a veteran roster, with more than just a veteran roster, with a coach looking to beat his former mentor in Brian Denny, with no fans, by the way, 
There's a very good shot as of right now. And if you've not seen, go look up Tuscaloosa, Alabama on social media. The way that people are not wearing masks out in Tuscaloosa, I'm going to tell you right now. Walter Maddox, I know the mayor. He's not going to let fans be in the stands. There's not a chance he's going to let that happen. No way. So now you have an empty stadium or at least limited capacity with family and friends of both teams in the stadium dogging it out. You don't think that A&M has a good chance to win without Alabama fans in the stands? I don't think so. I don't. I think A&M has the best chance to do that. They stand an amazing chance to do that. And if they do that early, not only will this be the second time in school history since joining the SEC, they will have beaten the Crimson Tide on their home turf. But it also will probably put them in the top 10 consideration, and that only leads to more as we talk about our next team, Florida, how this will affect early season rankings. Guys, is anyone else having trouble trying to stay in shape during this quarantine season? I know I am, and I need to have a nutritious treat early in the day to start my workout off right. That's why I like to use Built Bar. They've recently come out with six new flavors that all taste delicious if you haven't heard of them. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry bakia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and almond uh, apple crisp. I love the cookies and cream, and more importantly, Built Bar is a great treat for the health conscious guy. It helps me lose and maintain my weight while indulging something that I actually want to enjoy. They're low in calories, low in sugar, high in fiber, and great for someone who's on the keto diet like myself. Take a look at the brand new flavor cookies and cream. It's my new favorite. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs. You're not going to find a product like this anywhere else. And with brand new designs come brand new deals. Built Bar has reset the promo code for the relaunch, and you get a free cooler with the purchase. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll save $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you love quality podcasts surrounding your favorite sports teams? If so, listen to a Locked On Podcast. The Locked On Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports shows, plus every team covered in the NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, and highlight information surrounding your favorite fantasy sports. Go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live on LockedOnPodcast.com. So already said, the start of the year is kind of a coin flip for AM. And that really is in all four games. I think Vanderbilt, everyone can go out and right now and just say, they're going to get that win. They started the season off, and when you really look at what the SEC did in general, the SEC started every single team who looks to be in contention off with a pretty commanding chance to get a victory. Seriously, week one, Alabama faces Missouri, Georgia faces Arkansas, Mississippi State takes on LSU, Tennessee takes on South Carolina. The one game that I will say is interesting because if I want to see if Joey Gatewood plays would be Kentucky at Auburn. I think that's going to be a really fun game. Florida gets Ole Miss, and A&M gets Vanderbilt. Literally, you look at the top teams. Every team is not facing a top 15 opponent. You have Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Auburn, Texas A&M, and LSU in the top 15, and they're all facing unranked opponents. So after that, A&M takes on the likes of Alabama. And let's be real, A&M could be on the rise, and Alabama could be on the downfall. 
They've taken a lot of hits in recruiting, and last year going 10-2, and it's starting to look like the end of the Nick Saban era. Maybe he's got about four more years left in him, but he's not going to be coaching that, that, that much longer. And while all SEC coaches say you have to go by the pedigree of Nick Saban, while true, eventually they're not going to have to worry about beating him because he's just going to go away. And I think that if he starts another year off in a struggle year, next year might be his final season. There's always been rumors flying around way back to when I was in college there in 2012 as a freshman that once he won a national title, one more, he was done. Guess what? He won back-to-back in 2011 and 12. He didn't go anywhere. So again, maybe this is the start of the end because if he no longer is able to get those perfect seasons. On the flip side, it's a chance for A&M to get a big-time win to set themselves up for the game that I've been most looking forward to. It's on my birthday weekend, which is awesome, and I get to actually watch this game live and see what's going to happen. But the two of them are the two most underappreciated teams in the SEC, in my opinion, and the two who need to come in with the most pressure going into 2020. And that's Florida versus A&M. I said a while ago, I think that this was going to be a game that was going to be pretty early in the year. I think I said week four was when I would have played this game. Again, I have no problem with this game being played this time. You go in, you get to face off against Alabama. Whether Alabama beats the living snot out of you, or you beat the living snot out of Alabama, or you win by a field goal. If it's a close game, voters are going to see the weakness of Alabama, and the strengths of AM. Florida, they're going to have to go into this game looking like they are a top five team because they're not going to face anybody. This is going to be their first real test. They start the year off against, again, Ole Miss. Then they go host South Carolina before coming to AM. This is a game that I've been circling on my calendar since I heard that this was going to be played. This is when I heard that they were going over to the SEC 10-game schedule. I said, play Florida. I want to see Dan Mullen take on Jimbo Fisher. Because I think for Fisher, this is a prove-it game. And this is a bigger game that I think people are giving him credit for because Fisher is a guy who only is going to grow with this win. If he gets this win, all of anything A&M has had to struggle with, anything A&M has had to deal with, this is where I think fans can get truly behind him. And imagine if he gets back-to-back wins off Nick Saban and Dan Mullen, the guy who was hired the same year as him in Gainesville and has been to two New Year's Six Bowls, while Fisher's gone to two almost unrecognizable bowls in the Gator Bowl against NC State and last year in his own backyard of Houston at the Texas Bowl against Oklahoma State. Don't get me wrong, both those games had pretty solid opponents in it. NC State was 9-3 and and... uh, Oklahoma State was 8-4. and four. They also had the league-leading rusher in Chuba Hubbard. They also had a stud coming in at quarterback in Sanders, Spencer Sanders. So, they weren't bad games, but they weren't games that AM was paying for. To get a win over Florida, and a win over Alabama, but predominantly a win over Florida, the coach who a lot of people are starting to see look more and more like the next big name head coach outside of Dabo Sweeney, the next big time superstar at the position, to get a win over Dan Mullen in your own backyard with one of the two veteran quarterbacks leading the way. Kellen Mond and Kyle Trask are the two 
biggest name quarterbacks because they have the most experience coming into the year in SEC play. The other one is Felipe Franks, but you don't really know because if he transferred to a different school, so you don't even know if he's going to be the full-time starter there. More importantly, this helps, I think, Monstock. This helps a lot of different offensive players stock. This defensive line for Florida against this offensive line against A&M, they both have something to prove. I mean, you look at what the Gators lost last year and John Greenard. I mean, this is something that I think for A&M is so much bigger than people are giving it credit for. So again, I see this as a chance for A&M to really set the tone. And if they get back-to-back wins this early in a toss-up schedule where literally they could go into this 2-2, two and two, they could leave the first four games 1-3. and three. They could go into this and go 4-0. and out. If they go 4-0, and out, they're going to start earning more than just top 15 votes. They're going to start earning top 5 votes. To get a win over Florida... And to get a win over Alabama, and then to go into a bye week before you have to face off against pretty much four non-conference opponents where it's not going to matter and you should get those wins easily, this is going to be a very scary A&M team. And they could be going into LSU weekend 8-0, which a lot of people I think would not be shocked to see, especially if they come out hot in Tuscaloosa and then return home after facing the Crimson Tide and playing once again at that same level against Dan Mullen and the Gators. So where are the trap games? Don't go anywhere. We'll be breaking down where I think that they are in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And listen to us and follow us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. All right, so A&M. 10-game schedule. Where are the trap games? Every single year, there is a trap game for AM. And again, I've mentioned this earlier in the program. I still think this is where the trap games are. Um, a long time ago, I said that whenever AM faces Mississippi State, it's going to be a trap game. Here's why. It still is a trap game, even if it is a must-win for AM. Because they could start the year off 1-2. and two. They could go in, they could play Vanderbilt, then they get blown out by Alabama, they get blown out by Florida, then they travel to Starkville before a bye week. They have to get that win. And it's a trap game because if if they do not get that win, they are going in 2-2. They could go and win the next four games easily. They could face out, they could beat South Carolina, they could beat uh, Arkansas, they could beat Ole Miss, they could beat Tennessee. They come back and now they're 6-2. Or, I mean, my bad, 5-3. They're 5-3 going into the last two games of the year. Doesn't matter. They have three losses already on their schedule. They're not even an afterthought in the college football playoff minds. And again, the biggest thing that I think that this is going to be a trap game is because we don't know anything about Mississippi State. It's a brand new system that is not known in the SEC, that is not known anywhere around the country outside of the West Coast. And Mike Leach, the godfather of the air raid, because I think it's simple how Mummy gave birth to the system. He's bringing it down to Starkville. And the SEC has seen it in bowl games. The SEC has seen it in single matchups. They haven't seen it on a consistent level. And they're going in with a brand new quarterbacks. Tommy Stevens is out. Garrett Schrader maybe is the option. Maybe he's not. But they brought in KJ Costello, who is a guy who understands from Pac-12 play at Stanford what Leach is looking for in a quarterback. All of this could be just smoke and mirrors. 
There still could be a ton of holes on the offensive line. There still could be a ton of issues when you look at the built-in problems around the wide receiver position. Uh, You look at what they've lost in the defense the last few years. Jeffrey Simmons, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Abram, Cam Dantzler. They're a team that's slowly coming back to reality. And, you know, what's amazing is they were never more than a nine-win team with those guys in the on the roster. So, add all that together, to me, it's just, it looks like this could be a game A&M maybe sleeps on. They feel comfortable going into it. And then everything clicks immediately for Costello. Week four, you really start to see all the pieces of your team come together. Whether good or bad. I mean, again, it could go either way, but you get to see how the team is going to unfold. So this is a trap game, in my opinion, because A&M could be riding high 3-0, and and then they look at KJ Costello's stats and go, oh, okay, this kid is nothing, this kid hasn't done anything, and then he comes out and he throws for 340 yards and four touchdowns, and A&M's offense struggles, and it's a close game, but Mississippi State comes out on top. Maybe that's State's first win of the year. Maybe it's their third win of the year. I don't know. But this is a trap game. And then I also think when you look down at the schedule, it's a little confusing. I used to say it was Arkansas because Arkansas was always, I thought, a trap game when going into the likes of facing the Razorbacks in AT&T Stadium. But I think Ole Miss is a trap game. I think no matter what, you will see three straight wins from A&M against Arkansas on October 31st, South Carolina on November 7th, and Tennessee on November 14th. I think you'll see that. I really do. I don't know if you can say the same thing facing off against Lane Kiffin going into the year. Again, I do think that Ole Miss has a ton of problems. They fixed a major problem by getting a true head coach and someone who I think players are going to be adamant to play for. You know, when you think about it, Matt Luke is not a name that you're immediately jumping off the table for. And don't get me wrong, apparently what everyone has said about Matt Luke and his tenure at Ole Miss as the head coach was a positive one. But that's because they were players brought in. You look at his recruiting classes, they diminished immediately from what Hugh Freeze was bringing in on a consistent level. So I look at all of that, you don't really want to play for Matt Luke. You want to play for Lane Kiffin. So in a few years, I think the Rebels are going to be back in contention, back to where we know them to be, back to where they were back in around 2016, 2017, when they were really, really good and contending for New Year's Six Bowls and contending for the SEC West title. They're going to be back there. But right now, I don't think they are. They're going to be looking for that one big-time game to build off of. And depending on how the team replaces the likes, I think Justin Matabike up the middle, and hopefully their secondary is good, John Reese Plumley, who finished top five in rushing last year in the SEC, could run all over AM once again. It was a close game last year in Oxford. And honestly, there was a lot of people who thought maybe, just maybe, AM got lucky in that game. And technically they did, but more importantly, both teams looked horrendous at points. So who looked the better? AM did towards the end. They got that big time run from, from Isaiah Spiller. They got the lead late. They held on to win. Good team win for sure for the Aggies. But again, now you have a new head coach looking for that this monumental win. And he's not going to get it against Auburn. And he's not going to get it against Alabama. He's definitely not going to get it against the likes of Florida. And of course, you want to see him beat Mike Leach in one of the more charismatic bowl games, I think, in the SEC next season. 
But you could get it against A&M. If A&M is struggling at any point, you could get it against the Aggies. So I do think that those are the two trap games. When you look at this record, what do you see? I see at least a 8-2 and two record, minimum. I could see them losing two games, and that would be the back-to-back to Alabama, Florida. I could see them lose two games, that could be Florida and Auburn. I could see them lose two games, that'd be Alabama and Auburn. I see them no matter what beating LSU. I see them beating Tennessee. I can see them beating Florida. I can see them beating Auburn. If they beat Alabama in week two, I think they're really going to set themselves up for either a 9-1 or 10-0 season. Because you look at the rest of the schedule, if they can put up the same numbers against Alabama, they could definitely do it against Florida. And they can definitely do it against Mississippi State. And then they're going to steamroll the likes of Arkansas, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Ole Miss. LSU, they're top five because of they have to be top five. They're not a top five team because of they're a top five team going into the year. They're top five because they won the national title last year. You could ask 100 scouts and they would still say, oh, LSU's probably a top 15 team, but they're not top five because they're not. They're going to get that win. And then Auburn. I've mentioned this so many times. I It all comes down to quarterback play for me in that game. And we're not going to know what Bo Nix is going to be like until about week four this year. So I'm going to put a pin in this. And right now, going into the year, a is better equipped. So they're going to get that win going into the year for sure. It's still A&M's year, in my opinion, to be a really sound contender. It's those two games in week two and week three, though, that people are going to have to keep an eye out for. And honestly, I think those are two monumental games in Jimbo Fisher's career as the head coach of the Aggies. If he gets those wins, oh boy, we're on to something very special here in College Station. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast here on Locked on Podcast Network. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. We will see you tomorrow, same time, same place, with a brand new podcast talking all things 12th man. Until then, kick him, y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.